Hello and welcome to In Conversation, a Dub Lab podcast where each week we will bring you interviews from the Dub Lab Radio Archives. Listening to Celsius Drop on Dublab.com. I'm Frosty, and that was the Benny's theme from African Head Charge from the debut album My Life in a Hole in the Ground from 1981. And I am absolutely overjoyed to have Banjo Ayabingi Noah here on the line. How are you? Yeah, man. Everything I am blessed. You know, we give thanks uh, for life and and everything that Jah has given us. Yes, I. It is. Mm. It is a blessing indeed to have you here, and you've blessed the world with so much music that uh, that means so much that that I'm personally a fan of, and that has really uh, resonated around the world mm. with people with open minds, open souls, open hearts. And so, thank you for for doing that. I really appreciate it. Oh, good. Thank you too. Thank everyone who who, who love Wagwan. You know, we just, we just, I, I just feel humble, you know, to know that people like what we've been doing over the years. You know, yes, wonderful. And that, to me, to me, that is that that's his greatest feeling. Well, that spirit feeling. comes through in the music. The the joy mm-hmm. comes through in the music. And oh. um, we feel that we feel that you're enjoying it, and that you're offering this to the world um, from a, a really uh, um, deep place, and mm-hmm. uh, so it definitely resonates in the sound. Um, African Head Charge project has has been almost forty years. The uh, yeah. the collaboration uh, with Adrian Sherwood and and so many mm-hmm. players over the years. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'd like to go back even further. We'll we'll play today. We're gonna play some some influences, some music that you've assembled for us. Um, we'll also mm-hmm. play some of your favorite African head charge songs. But I want to go further, further, further back. Um, mm-hmm. You you're originally from uh, from Jamaica. From is it yes, Clarendon? Clarendon, Clarendon, yes. T- tell us a bit about um, about Clarendon and and your kind of background and and how music um, was part of that uh, upbringing and part of your DNA. Yeah, you see, in in in, in uh, when I was a youth, you know, in Jamaica, in in Clarendon, we don't have television or radio or anything like that, you know. So whenever there's anything happening, like the poker church. You know, the, the, um, it's a spiritual church where people go for healing and things like that. As a child, I used to go to those, those um, places, just go there because we enjoy, we love the drumming and the chanting that was going on. You know, even though sometimes our parents sometimes didn't want us to, to go to those, those places. Why, why not? You know, I don't know, because they, they, like my mom, she was more of a Christian person. Sure. You know, not, um, more into Christianity. Yeah. You know, um, but different side of the family are into different things. So as a youth, yes, I'll go to a, a church 
And uh, my grandmother, she was a Rasta queen in Clarendon. Her name mm. is Nana Bonchi. My grandmother's sister. My grandmother's younger sister. Yeah. Um, so I always like going there too, where they teach me how to play the poker drums and the Nairbingi drums and, mm. and, and, and so forth. When you went to the church, what what drew you to that space and, and what were you feeling being in the church hearing hearing the drums? Well, I don't know. I tell you the truth, I just don't know. I think at first I went there because I, I loved the drumming and you know, my, my grandmother who was a Rasta Queen in the whole of Clarendon, she 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 loved me and I, I have a love for her too and, and her husband and all the people I'm around. What they did with their land, the, the, their portion of the land, they turned that place into a Rasta camp. Mm-hmm. Right, and we have one. We have one of the leaders there. His name is the Reverend Claudius Henry. You, you can Google that name, and you get to find out about that person. Mm-hmm. He was, um, you know, I mean, the first Rasta preacher was a, was a man called Howell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then after that, you you have um, different um, people. Then later, you get this man called Reverend Claudius Henry. You know, who was one of those uh, Rasta who believes in. You know, we are coming together and 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 sort out our own problems. He, he came as a like, repairer of the breach, come to repair the damage just mm-hmm. done to us mentally, spiritually, and physically. That was what his his thing was all about. Even though me as a youth, I didn't really understand or understand our whole pattern going go on, you know? Yeah. But I just go there. I just go there through the drumming and the love and the food as well and everything. And I remember my mother, she didn't really like me going there. You know, you know, you have families. Some is some is um, Catholic, some is Christian, some is all kind of thing. But somehow, I was drawn to to the poker church, where, you know, and then I was also drawn to the Nabingi. And through through that, now, in fact, that they used to see me as a bad boy. I was like the the bad boy in the family because I'm going to a place where the people are smoking weed, people are chanting, and um. And all kind of thing, but no matter how much they would beat me, I would still be going there. Even when they send me to to Kingston or send me to Mokot, Tamstone, Victoria, anywhere they send me go, I run away and come back there. Hmm. For some reason, I, I was enjoying myself there. And the thing about the Rasta, you know, in in those days, I'm talking about the fifties and that, right? A lot of people were scared of them, you know. But somehow I go amongst them and they. Because I see them as my family, through my grandmother and and everybody, and and they were treating me good, food to mm. eat, and 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 so and they they start teaching me a lot of things, and that's one of the reasons why I see I'm I'm here in Africa for the last twenty two three years ago and come I'm always here is because of what they've been teaching me all about Africa, and and things like that, mm. and we me Vernie and Howen, the three youths like we are say seven eight nine ten years old. Um, ch- children in, the, in that, those times, um, we had to play, we play the drums before the elders come, like Bongo Black, and even Ras Michael, even yeah. um, all, all the top drummers used to come there. Count Ozzy was, was the master. He yeah. used to come there, and it's like he's like he's doing like a workshop mm. with us children, you know. And um, somehow they they chose me to play the lead, the kete drum. And uh, teach me all the chanting and all that kind of thing. So we used to go places and and and, and play. They used to send us to Maypen. And in those days, it was um, the Clarendonians were the top youth um, singer in those days. You know, Freddie McGregor. 
Because, you know, he's from Clarendon as well, yeah, Philip McGregor. And so he was the number one. But we, are go- we-, we used to go and sing, not commercial song. We used to sing the song that, that they-, they-, they teach us. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, hear the voice of the Rasta man say, Babylon, you throne gone down. You know, we've been chanting those songs long, long, long time, even mm. before Bob come and, and make it popular or whatever. And um, No Night in Zion and all kind of chant that they teach us. And we used to go and perform those things. And it was really popular with a lot of people out there. So maybe that's why the elders didn't do it. They sent us as you to do it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old. We used to go and, and do that. And that's when I remember meeting like this Catalyte, Danjaman, mm-hmm. and, and all those people, you know? But I, I didn't think I have a career in this thing. That that just happened by, I don't know how it, it happened. I came to London and I started moving some musicians and, and it happened. I, I, I wasn't thinking that the drumming that I learned and the chanting that I learned was going to come to anything because I wasn't even looking at it as a career. Really. What, what brought I, you I to London? What brought you to London? When did you well, move my mom, to London? My mom and dad, my dad came to London and then he sent for my mom and then they started sending for my brothers and my sisters and myself. And was it important for you to then seek the community that, that you had become very attached to in Jamaica to, you know, with the, the Rasta community to be able to stay rooted in that culture? In fact, I ran away. When I heard that there was, uh, they were sending for me, they couldn't find me. You know, I, I run, I run away. I was, I'm talking about from um, eleven year old. You know, I didn't go to school again. I just run away. And this time, I went to live in um, in Augustown, in Kingston, a place called Bedward Crescent, hmm. in Augustown. Yeah, and uh, and I, I just I, I run away. They couldn't find me. I'll, that's that's the reason why I'm the last one of my brothers and sisters to actually come to England because they couldn't find me. So they actually um, left. They left, and you were still there. You were in Augustown after they had already gone yeah. to London. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I just run away and sleep in here, there, and there, and, and whatever. Is my is one of my auntie who I really love, yeah. who really came and took me back to Clarendon as well, and you know, uh, cut my dreadlocks off and and say, come, you're going to England. And then <laughs> I just, it's, it's like I had a choice. It's either mm-hmm. come here or I go to the boys' town school. You know, they have a school yeah. where, where boy, bad boys go to. So it's either go to that school, boys' town school, or I come to England. And I, I just come to England. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. And what was your thought when you got to England? And did you did you seek a community that that you felt at home in? And did you start to... You know, because there is a, a large uh, Jamaican population that did uh, move to to England, and music that was brewing up. Obviously, um, was it something you immediately sought out? Not really. What happened is, um, uh, you know, I used, to, I used to get myself in a lot of trouble, right? <laughs> you know, I used to get, and I went to Boston and detention. You know, for young people. Yeah, you understand. But what happened is, when I came out. They sent me to live in a in a in a place in London, right? Like the halfway house. That time I was my girlfriend. You know, I started living with no woman from I was about seventeen, eighteen, and started even having children. Mm-hmm. So they sent us to live in, in, in Hackney in, in um Nesbit House. And when I while I was there, there, there was a singer live upstairs. His name is Eddie Talbot. And downstairs there's a drummer downstairs, Ruben. And Eddie Talbot used to um, sing in a band called the Undivided. Mm-hmm. And the Undivided 
they were the top reggae band in, in England in those days. You know, the, even Bob Marley was singing with them and Rico was a part of them mm. and all these top people. And and then the, the other band now um, um, was called In Brackets and they were backing up people like Dandy Livingstone and a lot of these, there was a backing band for a lot of people, you know. So I start. I'm living in, in, in this place and I'm starting to be friendly with the singer upstairs and, and, and with the drummer, Ruben, downstairs. So, so somehow oh, I used to go with them like a roadie. I used to help them out, lift the knees of the, this and that. And then one day I went to the rehearsal, me and Ruben, just go, go burn some ganja and thing, you know? Because mm-hmm. in those days we used to get some good weed, right? Mm-hmm. And well, I see the Congos... Oh, oh, in the in the rehearsal room, and sometimes I just I just feel like going it, you know, <laughs> and I start going it, and I just start to play it, and then Ruben go on the drum and he start to tickle the drum, and then we start to play, yeah. and then by by we playing the rest of band start to come in, come in, and uh, and it's like everybody was uh, hey, everybody was telling me yeah they <laughs> they like what I was doing, and so the drummer, the guy who owns the Congo drum, his name is Herald, right? Mm-hmm. He showed me how to buy my own drums. Mm-hmm. And and then that, that changed my life, really, because I didn't know what, um, you know, because, I, I mean, I didn't really go to school. Yeah. And I didn't know exactly what I was going to do in my life, you mm-hmm. know, until the day when I saw the drums, I went on it and played on it. And then I find out people, when they're coming from Jamaica, Prince Farai, mm-hmm. E. Perry, um, a lot of people wanted me to work with them. Sometimes I even don't. I lost my drum. People stole and this and that. And and Dillinger managers just said, "Go, go and buy it, and, and you can, you know." So they were just buying the drums for me, and I used to go and tour with them. And then after the tour, I found out they take the money out for the drums, and I still just have a little leave still. But I was still happy because I had the drums and a lot of percussion to carry on working, and and. And, and I think one of the good things happened is that when a drummer I used to work with, his name is Charlie Fox, mm-hmm. must come. He was, he was one of the original drummer for um, Creation Rebel. Mm-hmm. And he was also working with um, a band called Freedom Fighter. So really, I, went to, I was with Freedom Fighter. So when, when Charlie started to go back to work with this band, Freedom um, Creation Rebel, that was produced by Adrian, and they took me there, and they also liked what I was doing because I was bringing a different type of drumming there. Because I was, I wasn't just into the, the, the just the kind of drumming that they do. I, you know, I was studying African drumming. You yeah. know, the what Fela Fakoti was doing, what Asibisa was doing, mm-hmm. what Bongo Maria was doing. All these other people. I decided, well, I, I didn't learn a trade. I, I didn't learn. I didn't learn nothing. So I took the drums as. Uh, this is uh, it's like I'm in a university now. I'm going to spend time every day studying this this drumming and so forth. So that you know. So when I went with um, Creation Rebel, I was that's why one of the albums that they do is called Jankuno, mm-hmm. Jankuno because yeah. Jankuno is a, a festival kind of thing. Oh, the place. Yeah, it's kind of drumming and things. So and then somehow I was I was start getting on with Adrian. So when the band. Um, kind of cool out after Prince Farai um, passed, yeah? Me and Adrian went in, you know, we was always going in the studio. Sometimes just me and Adrian alone. <laughs> That's why the first album is called My Life in the Hole in the Ground because the, the, the studio was underground. 
in a place called Berry Street mm. in, in London, right? Underground. So we used to spend days and days in there. Like, because I think you used to get it for the nighttime, which is uh, very cheap. You know what I mean? Um, uh, you know, very, very cheap compared to if you used to use it in the day. So we used to go in there and spend the whole night in there. And sometimes we go in there, we don't even know what we're going there to do. We never really plan nothing. Adrian just turn all the machines on, my percussions is there. And I start to play something. I just start to play something. And then after playing something, I just play something on top of that. And I play something on top of that. You know, so it, it will sound like a lot of drummer playing all those things. But it's me alone doing everything. Adrian was just... As soon as I do one, um, I just do another one, and then there's another one. So in one track, I might even play about eight different types of drum on it or even more, you know? Hmm. And and that's how the whole thing started, you know, with, with the drums, the drums. That time, I wasn't really concentrated so much on the, on the voice. It's just building drum, building drums. And then after we build drums, and we start adding bass and, and, and different things on it. We, we never really went in the studio like we're doing now, and later on, sometimes we start to plan things. You know what I mean? I, 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 I think, but in in, the, in these days, no plan. We just go in the studio. Adrian turn the machine on, and the the, the drums are there. Mike is there, and we just start playing. Yep. We're gonna <laughs> hear some of the the fruits of that in just a little bit. Some of the uh, the gems from the uh, deep African head charge catalog. But before we do, mm. I actually would love to play some of the music you've put together that some of the influences, some of the sounds that um, represent the, the music that's in your ears as, as a listener and lover of sound. You've put together a great list of songs for us. Then we'll share some of your picks from the African mm. Head Charge catalog. But yeah, we've got up first, uh, you've put together uh, a list. You've got Junior Biles up first with Fade Away, and you've got several uh, uh, incredible songs we're going to flow into. Um, anything you want people to know about um, your your kind of listening life and, and what this music means to you as a musician, but also just a human who, who lives a life in sound? Music is life, and is, is uh, especially the, the music that we are playing, uh, from Jamaica and the influence that it has on the whole world it is gospel. If you listen to, to reggae music playing, you don't need to go to church again. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Just by listening to it, listen to what Bob is doing, Bonnie Peter, um, Juno Biles, all these great artists. You know, um, when you listen to them, that means you don't need to go anywhere. Even it's like education, mentally and spiritually, yeah. and physical education. You know, and I think that's what got into me as, as a person who did really go to school. You know, I said I leave school at 11. But because I'm listening to these people, it's like it's, a, it's like a university in, in itself, you know. And in fact, I, I used to start thinking like that because I was on the dole. You know what I mean by the dole? Yeah. Like um, you're not working, so you go and sign on mm-hmm. until you get a job. When I, when I was signing on, I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm signing on, but I'm in university. You know what I mean? And you were you were hearing this Nyabingi drumming, the chanting, mm-hmm. and and more of the spiritual Rastafarian music you heard in mm-hmm. Jamaica. There were segments of the Jamaican population who was shunning this. Even your your parents, you know, kind That's of right. holding that back. But music is yes. this vessel through which something deep can travel. And this, 
idea, the Rastafarian music, even the, the, the specific types of drumming and these things that, that people might not have understood in that pure level within the church. Um, it yeah. was making it and, and traveling the world and, and moving through the music that also was released commercially. So this coexistence of the spiritual but the commercial and these things can live together and music uh, can, can really deeply influence people. So we're excited to hear these influences and things that, that you love as a listener music from Jamaica. Should we, uh, should we float into this and then we'll come back and uh, talk just a bit more about some African head charge experimentation in the studio? Yeah, that sounds good. Beautiful. Yes. All right. We've got Banjo Ayabingi Noah of African Head Charge here on the line, beaming in from Ghana. It's dublab.com. Stay tuned. Dublab.com. It's Celsius Drop. I'm Frosty, and we've got Banjo Ayabingi Noah here on the line of African Head Charge. We've just heard a selection of music that he has uh, put together to bless our ears. We just heard a tune from Noah House of Dread, Wicked Kingdom, and much more music that uh, means so much to uh, Banjo, and I uh, hope that you've all enjoyed it as much as I have too. Thank you for sharing those sounds. Blessed, blessed. You were talking a bit about uh, this kind of uh, experimentation with uh, with Adrian Sherwood as you were uh, creating the blueprints of uh, African Head Charge, which now is almost a forty year relationship through sound. Yeah, you see, what happened? The one reason why I got close with Adrian and I took him like a brother, and I think um, I've influenced him a lot in in not just in music but a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Even cooking and all kind of thing, you know what I mean? We're he's, he's busy now, but we're moving together as friends as well. He was the only person that was really willing to listen to what I wanted to do mm-hmm. as a drummer. Because, you know, I'm playing the pocket drums. I'm playing the Nairbingi drums. And in, in that time, nobody wanted to, to have it in London, seriously. If you listen to most music, nobody... I used, I used to play people's songs and, and they used to just rub it off, hmm. delete it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So when Adrian, when I, when I find this person like what, I, what I'm trying to do, the kind of drumming that I, 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 that influenced me, the drumming that I like, that's the reason why I, I, I more or less stick with him because he liked what I was doing. Hmm. You know, and uh, we didn't have to think. He just set it up and just start playing and he, everything that I would, I would touch on the drum, he'll record it, he'll keep it. He, he just... Take everything, even from if even from sound checking, wow. you know, testing. He'll record everything, and that's how he was, you know. And he's yeah, he's still the same. He hasn't changed. <laughs> you know what I mean? If man, if we go in the studio with Adrian and okay, we're doing something, he just recorded it. You know, so because sometimes when you when you're drumming and 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 you play without even thinking, 
it's it just happening naturally. It, it, it's like it's not even me doing it. It's, it's something inside me doing it because I didn't really plan it. We just go in there and we find a hand playing something and, and it sounds really good. Yeah, and, it's, and you get excited and we, we get excited and through the excitement that we felt it's like it's just laughter and fun in it to, mm. to, you know just the two of us in there and we just keep doing it you know so that's why I, I like about Adrian with my career as um with African Edgeard you know he he accepted what I wanted to do as a drummer most people did they, they, they didn't want it the poker drums and the Nabingi drums it wasn't really accepted in in, in London in in the, the 80s it wasn't Ex- he accepted people doing it. He accepted, but he, he also accepted. it seems like he amplified it. He got to the the root and the core of uh, what what really was important to you the the drumming and the the deep tradition of the drumming and put it to the front. And then he, he, his contribution take it on, on on another thing as well. You know what I mean? So it's like his contribution and and and, and what I was doing. That's what really put the whole thing together on a recording. And we're still doing it. Also, you know, a reflection not only of, you know, the, the Nyabingi drumming, but also the Nyabingi drumming and the culture's connection to Africa. Of course, you know, the name African Head Charge says a lot. So this forward thinking, you know, this sort of thing, but it's looking forward and also looking backwards and connecting heritage to the future. Um, and so all of your studies, as you mentioned, your your university of music and, and drumming and rhythms was really uh, important to understand African drumming. We're talking right now, we're communicating across the ocean. You're in Ghana. Um, so that that putting the the roots from Africa in the music, um, was that also part of a kind of conversation with uh, with Adrian and an intention to to bring that aspect of it to the surface? Well, I, at that time we never really talk about it. Yeah, Some, know, that's the really best music. Yeah, you just you we flow into talk, it. We yeah, for we sure. We just go in and we just start doing it. We never sit and say, "Oh, we're gonna do this." Of or course, whatever, yeah. Whatever. You know, we just because what, what was happening, it, it was already inside me. Those yeah. drumming was mm. there. All right. I started to study and, and learn to do, to do more because um, I, I decided, no, this is what I want to do, drumming. So I need to go for audition with different bands sometimes. Sometimes I'm playing a band and they're playing all Latin music. Some band they're playing jazz music. So I decided to study those those things as well, just to get a work, to, to earn some money yeah. to look after me. You know, so, so we go and play in pubs and, and we use a paper called the Melody Maker. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes out every Thursday, so I used to buy it and look, and then you see they're looking for a, a Congo player or a percussionist. Yeah. And sometimes I'll go, and sometimes I'll get the work, and sometimes the work is, is is like some people on stage dancing or performing or whatever they're doing, and you have to play the drums that suit the movement that they are sure. doing. You know, so I was like behind the screen, just watching the the people, and and if they put the foot down, then I go boop. And if they do certain movement, then I play with whatever movement they're doing, you know. And that was just like hustling, really. When I say hustling, sure. just to make some money, you know what I mean? Uh, picking up, I was doing picking up skills and, and being fluid, being able to to work within many different forms and uh, yeah. to energetically connect to a lot of people through different sounds is mm-hmm. important. You, you also... 
had the um you know this group of people that were um working with Adrian and Anu Sound and it was this blend it seems like the appreciation for the roots but also a deep appreciation for experimentation and being very open with sound um not thinking about rules you know thinking of something that's more boundless and infinite in sound was that and and in Jamaica you know the the you know Lee Scotch Perry and everybody who was also, you know, really forward thinking and expanding the possibility of, of sound through experimentation, through dubbing and echoing, you know, all of these things where technology meets something deeper and meets something spiritual and, and musical and creative. Um, how did it feel to kind of be around, you know, a group of people that were also open in that way, as far as experimenting? Well, I mean, people like Lee Perry yeah. and people like Mad Professor, mm-hmm. you know, being around them, apart from Adrian. And now I'm I'm doing something with this guy called Gaudi. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But um, before that, when people like Lee Perry, I mean, whew, you know, um, he, he's, he's, um, there's nobody like him. You know, there's no one like him. This is true. He, he, <laughs> it's a magic. It's somehow, it's, it's just magic. With Lee Perry yeah. is just magic, you know. Um, Mad Professor, he, he's just a, he's a genius because he knows everything about studio. Yep. He's a, he's just he can build a studio from scratch. I mean, Lee Perry used to do that as well, but uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, but Lee, but Mad Professor at the moment, he can just go into a studio, rearrange it, and get different sounds and Absolutely. all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meeting Fella was another great thing for me too. Oh my goodness! You know, because um, before Fella, he was in, he was staying in this cottage. Um, uh, this drummer, Ginger Baker, yes. So he used to stay in Ginger Baker house. So w- w- one of the African band I used to play because there's a band came from Africa that was supporting Fella, and they, one of their drummer um, didn't make it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they start to audition for a, a Congo player. And I saw it in the Melody Maker. And I I, I went to, to the, and I was surprised I got the job. I got the job, you know, to play in that band. I was the only person there who was from Jamaica. Everybody was from Nigeria, you know. And I become close with Sonny, Sonny Akpan. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, he, he, you see some of my live shows, Sonny's on it, yeah. And uh, there's a guy called Chike. And they took me to where Fella was staying in Ginger Baker house. And you know what I mean? Fella, I'm loving herbs and things. And that time we have some good red beer that come in from Jumdong, you know? So I used to go down there. And this fella gave me the name Bonjo, you know? Wow. Amazing. You know the name Bonjo? His fellow Kuti actually called me that name. And at first I didn't like the name. And they, he, but I couldn't get rid of it. Why, you know why, did, I mean? why do you think he gave it to you? Did he explain? He said I look like, I look like somebody in, in Nigeria who's got that name. That's what he said. And so when he looked, he said, Bonjo. He was coming down from upstairs and I was sitting downstairs. And he thought, hey, Bonjo. And, and then all of the guys in the band started calling me that name. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and uh, so that's why I had that name to my name. It just spread just, from you know, there. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was it, you know. So, you know, being around those people, I feel good that I've been around. You know, I feel humbled and honored that I'm being with such great people. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I, I just thought, wow. Sometimes I'm pinching myself. Look, I'm sitting with all these great people and I'm doing things that they appreciate. You know what I mean? I'm doing things that they love what I'm doing. So it makes me feel so great and I just feel good. There's nothing to do with money or anything like that. It's just because of these great people, 
hear what I'm doing and, and love it. I'm talking about people like Prince Farah as well. Yeah. You know, and he, he won't go anywhere without me playing the the, 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 the drums for him. He, mm. he liked the, the Nightwing drums that I'm doing for him, Culture, Burning Spear, all these people there, they just like what I was doing. You know, um, and that, because of that, it makes me feel feel really good because I wasn't really playing professionally when I was in Jamaica. It's only when I came to London, um, came out of Boston and started moving these people. That's when I, I just started. And then from there, I, start, I didn't know where it's going to end up. You know what I mean? I just find that all the kind of people was asking me to come and work with them, different groups, different um, producers, different people. You know, um, uh, and I remember even before that, when I'm playing, as I said, they, they wouldn't have it. They would, they'd, they'd rub it off. They didn't like, because I'm playing some jungle style kind of drumming on the reggae beat, and nobody was doing that. <clears throat> you understand? You're playing, imagine that you have a certain kind of beat where they're playing the reggae. But I, I, I didn't really decide. I just found myself doing that, just playing the poker drumming and the Nabingi drumming. On the, on the reggae beat, hmm. which nobody was doing it at that time. No, not one person was doing it. Well, the uh, jungle vibe, um, we've got jungle law lined up right mm-hmm. here from a churchical mm-hmm. chant of the Ayabingi African mm-hmm. head charge. And then we're, we'll mm-hmm. hear a selection of, of music um, that you've put together um, to share some of your favorite African head charge pieces. I mean, this is uh, since 1981. So it's a, a large catalog. A lot of it is being reissued uh, on vinyl. And uh, so people can bring this into their, uh, their homes, their lives. And, and this music is very influential and very deep music. So um, let's hear some African head charge tunes. We've got Banjo, Ayabingi, Noah on the line here. It's dublab.com. Here comes Jungle La. heard a selection of African head charge songs uh, one of my favorite all-time musical projects and um, really really honored and, and blessed to have Banjo Ayabingi Noah um, here on the line uh, he and Adrian Sherwood almost 40 years ago um, creating African head charge bringing something uh, really mystical deep spiritual rhythmic and uh, powerful to the world Thank you so much for, for all of this incredible music, Banjo. Yeah, thank you too. Thank you. And I'm humbled to know that you, you you love it. 
you know what I mean? You know, I feel Irish. It's like cooking some food, right? Mm. And and eating it and sharing it and see, look at the people and see that they're enjoying it. Food and music are, are, are deeply connected and very, um, they're both yeah. reflections of the soul and kind of like yeah. these direct channels in the culture. Out of curiosity, mm-hmm. if, you, if you were to cook, you know, a meal for our audience now mm-hmm. that was reflective of the African head charge vibe and sound and mission, um, out of curiosity, what would you serve up? Well, I'll serve Ital's food, right? Mm-hmm. Ital. Most probably, if I wasn't doing music full-time, maybe I'd have been a cook full-time. Mm-hmm. You know, because I used to cook um, food in the Rasta house. And as I said, I love cooking. What's a favorite dish? What would you uh, want to serve well, me, I, I like rice and peas, right? Mm-hmm. I love rice and peas. And then I have the Ital stew with it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when the band is sound checking, you know, they give me everything I want, I'm cooking. Beautiful. <laughs> While the band is sound check until they set up all the equipment. I just give, just give me some pattern, give me the thing that we want. Um, I enjoy doing it too. Mm. You you've, know? you've nourished our ears, uh, you've nourished our souls, and uh, and you also have that uh, strong ability to nourish our bellies as well. And people can, uh, you can pick up this soundtrack for. Um, deep culture and uh, travel through sound uh, with African Head Charge. Um, so many reissues flowing out to the world on vinyl and um, incredible music that, that really is uh, something unique in this world. Drumming, for me, I, I look at drumming as a, as a, as a high thing because um, we, we used to go around to hospitals, right? Me and a friend called Keith Jones because his wife was a nurse and we used to play for the sick people. Even some people are going to die. We used to study some songs from the 20s for them and play to make them feel iry, you know what I mean? Yeah. In, in, in the hospital. And there was a man in there and, and he, he, I don't know if he was in a coma. Yeah, I think he was in a coma or something like that. And then I just started to play some poker drums and the poker drum and the guy started to move his toes oh, and wow. the doctor said, the doctor said they've been trying to get this man to move something. And I just come in there with the drum, boom, 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 the drums. And the man just started to move his tour. Amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, from then, and then that's when I started to look at the drum, not just as an instrument, but it's, 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 it's something special. There's something special about drum, drum, especially if you're playing it with that spiritual vibe, not, not looking at money, not looking at nothing, just doing it. You know, and sometimes you, you when you play certain drums, you can feel the ancestors around you. Hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes you uh, um, you could be playing by yourself, practicing, and 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 then you can feel the ancestors around you. Hmm. So the drumming to me is 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 a is a is a, is a very spiritual thing. It's not just physical; it's a very spiritual thing. The ancestors are, are with us. It's like we draw the ancestors to us mm. you know a lot of people not, not understand that uh, i know that but i know it does M- music is yeah, medicine music is medicine and deeply connective yes. and absolutely yes. absolutely thank you so much for for sharing and uh bonjo i um yes, yeah I. brilliant uh, light and sound thank you for bringing yes, this I. to us here on dub lab and love you know and and more eyes more for me, we have to enjoy life. You know, life is something when you wake up in the morning, you have to say, oh, thank you, Father, for another day and for another day and, and enjoy life and get rid of stress. You know, we, we, we're not into stress. Mm. It's simple. Giving thanks and praise. Mm. <laughs> That's all.
Just give your thanks and praise. Blessed. Conversation was produced by Dublab, a nonprofit radio station broadcasting live from Los Angeles since 1999. Sound editing and theme song by Matea Bain. For more programming, visit dublab.com. And thank you for listening. <laughs>